Good afternoon and welcome to another episode. This is episode seven of the CPD show with me, Amanda Wilson. And Cleon Wilson. Can't believe it's seven episodes already. Wow. Thank you for those that have stuck with us through the first six episodes. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Please remember you can connect with us on our social medias at the CPD show on Instagram and on Twitter. Or you can email us. Cleon, what's our email address? Podcast at the CPD show.com. This week's episode is a very special episode because it focuses on a very special theory that Cleon developed a few years ago and it's the theory of the five P's. Cleon, over to you. What are the five P's? What's that all about? So um, just a quick bit of background about the five P's. It was during the time when I worked at the City Academy and you'll hear me, I would have heard me mention it a lot of times previously, the um, former workplace where I was at, a secondary school in Hackney. And there I went through and I discussed with my team what I call the five P's. Now, as I've mentioned on at least two shows, I believe, maybe more, I do love alliteration. And so they all start with P, hence the word five P's. And they all are linked to something linked to the business world, uh, not so much academic, but education and to do with development and CPD, hence the reason why we're sharing it. And why did you develop it in the first place? I wanted to have a bit of a standard, a bit of a department or team stance, if you like, in terms of the way we approached our mentoring of students, the way we interacted with other staff, and to give us an anchor, I guess, and a focus that would incorporate other aspects of the wider school, so it wasn't sort of off on an on a island, on a sort of boat, mm. or by ourselves, but actually it linked to a lot of things that the school... And, and the ethos of the school and visions of values linked to anyway. But with my stamp on it, I guess, my signature. Okay, cool. So what is the first P? So uh, not, in, not in any particular order. Usually, uh, when I used to go through the five Ps, I would usually always forget the fifth one, even if I said it in a different order. It was really odd. But anyway, I have them in front of me this time because there's no mucking about when it comes to a podcast. So the first one, in no particular order, is pragmatic. And linked to that, underpinning that, undergirding that, supporting that, is the ability to problem solve and think on your feet. Do what's needed, and I've got in brackets, in the moment. Uh, now, of course, in, you know, bearing in mind health and safety and uh, being sensible and wise and all the rest of it. For professional judgment, I guess, and as I say, being able to problem solve and think on your feet. Pragmatic, P number one. So, pragmatism... Um, is also known for you know being practical and focusing on things that are realistic so how would you put that into a work context a lot of the aspects of pragmatism and I'm just trying to kind of go back in my mind to those times I think a lot of it on a day-to-day reality basis was linked to the mentoring side of work because the role was twofold. It was mentoring and supporting students and it was also managing the behaviour system. So you were kind of partly the um, person who would build rapport and try and get the students on side, like I kind of mentioned last week. But then the other part, you'd need to be a kind of strict parent, if you like, and, and administer discipline in that sense. So thinking on your feet, trying to solve problems and, and doing reacting in the moment is... I think more it was about not being so much of a, a robot and going always by the kind of policy and procedure line, which I think was overdone a lot of the time in that 
in that school, but it is also to be human, to be understanding, to be compassionate at times, and to add that pragmatism that helped to support students and helps with problem solving any issues or challenges of which there were daily sometimes hourly challenges and, and issues that's the first p what's the next one so the next one um they're all very dear to my heart but particularly the next one was about being proactive and that should hopefully really speak for itself but being a leader at the time of a department quite a large department i managed quite a few people lots of different skills and backgrounds and ages and stages of life and professionalism and whatever there will sometimes be a, a sitting back and a just letting others more senior or more experienced just get on with it but I try to get everyone to to be leaders and and to have some leadership responsibilities in different ways and different shapes and forms and being proactive was about bringing solutions to the table we'd have a weekly department meeting which every department had but I remember our department in particular they tried to kind of railroad that and stop those meetings and just have us doing the mentoring and the behaviour support work and, and feel that we weren't as important, if you like. That's the message I got back. But I really pushed and was proactive, I guess, in, in that sense to try and get that back on the table as, as a meeting slot in during the school day and to bring solutions to the table for everyone around. I, I was never the person who was always the one giving the orders, always calling the shots. I wanted to be the kind of leader that could be away on a, on a course or for a weekend or for a week or however long and things would keep turning. Things wouldn't fall apart. People wouldn't be clueless and lost running around not knowing what to do. But there'd be some self-leadership happening as well. And also linked to that proactive is being willing to take responsibility and being accountable for things. So they, I had a team member responsible for some reflective justice type thing or reflective dialogue as we as we spoke about it that supported issues around behavior i had someone else dealing with group mentoring so everyone had a stake everyone hopefully had some ownership and had a part to play that went beyond just their core job or role if you like i think proactivity is an, is an interesting one and, and encouraging people to be proactive can sometimes be challenging mm. because I guess, it, it, and it comes down to you as an individual, as a leader, in how your team, how proactive your team are. And obviously, it also comes down to the individual as well, because some people yeah. will hold back from being proactive simply because they're not clear on what the boundaries are. They're not clear on how much autonomy they actually have. And so they might have an idea, they might see something that needs doing and think, oh, you know, I should be proactive. However, what will be the consequence of me doing that thing, you know, making that decision? And I think it, it's very important that in order to develop a team that are proactive, they understand the parameters in which they're able to work within. I mean, that's exactly what it is. And the, the, the parameters really do need to be set and it needs to be made really clear. Because I think what you're kind of suggesting is that people may go off and just do, either willingly or un unwillingly, go off and do the wrong thing or maybe go beyond boundaries or, or that kind of thing. But it's important, as you say, to set those parameters. And also sometimes it's just about idea sharing and just being willing to just offer up suggestions, offer up ideas. They don't necessarily have to be the ones because it's their idea to go away and take the action, which sometimes I think sometimes anecdotally or sort of tongue-in-cheek that sometimes happens if, if someone suggests oh I think we should do this then sometimes the leader might kind of say oh that's a great idea you lead on it kind of thing I've, I've heard that many a time over the years that's good leadership and, and, and that, which is good leadership but sometimes then people don't really want to put the work in or they may not necessarily 
have thought it through as a really workable idea, just a great idea in their mind, mm. and then they may not actually want to, you know, go forward with it. It could be a fear of failure, fear of success, a fear of success or something like that. And I guess it, that then goes back to your role as the coach, because somebody comes out with that idea, because I, I you know, it's an, uh, you know, something I employ quite often. Somebody comes to me with an idea, which is good, and I think is potentially workable. It's okay, it's go away, mm. put an action plan together, let's come back and talk about it. Because if somebody has mm. got to the point where they've, oh, this is a really good idea, then to some extent they're the best person to then begin to take the idea forward. And then once, it's, and once the idea has been thrashed out and it's been developed, then yeah. you can decide whether you need to put a team around it and, and take it forward even more. But I think if someone is going to come up with an idea then they have to understand because it's very easy for someone to tell you yes you know i've got this suggestion and then chuck it on somebody else to do and i've seen that done quite a lot you know i've seen people make suggestions but not being willing to actually then move forward with the suggestion that they're making they kind of make it then sit back and wait for somebody else to do it yeah but and that could be tactical and that could be quite exactly you know being a bit cynical about it that that could be deliberate yeah because then you've also got the individuals who who will then say, well, I had this idea, but nobody did anything, nobody did anything about it. Mm, and that's the point yeah, where you need to yeah. be like, right, okay, if you've got this idea, you do something about it then, you know, be proactive about the idea that you've had because that, that then creates individuals that, again, are reliant on others to do all the work. That's a really good point. And you've got me really thinking on that because that can be really entrepreneurial in terms of the entrepreneurial mind, the entrepreneurial spirit of... Um, of just having not just an idea, but as you say, being able to give them the scope and give them the flexibility and the latitude to be able to explore that idea. And even if the idea fails, even mm. if the idea doesn't go anywhere, even if it doesn't reach anybody's or their own expectations, or only half gets there, then at least that person has, has gone on that journey and at least they've explored that. I think there's something really powerful, um, not just with ideas, because I think lots of people have lots of ideas, um, good, bad, or indifferent, but being able to explore that and and being trusted, I think, to explore yeah. that is really good mm. and really supportive. I think that's good leadership. Yeah, excellent. Okay, so number three. So number three, and it's certainly important in in I'd say any workplace really, but particularly when you are working with young people and interacting with them and supporting them, is to be passionate. Mm. So pragmatic, proactive, and now on number three, passionate. So passionate for supporting. Uh, young people that it's evident in in that mentor that that person's work in their attitude in their conversation in their thought processes and and that kind of thing passionate that they'll go the extra mile for that young person they'll advocate when it's appropriate when it's correct to do so they'll support them in in different endeavors in different ways they'll be their cheerleader essentially be that be their informal coach if you like as well and passion for learning and doing things differently. So their own kind of self, their own passion. So more thinking about themselves and their own development, maybe the here and now in terms of the role they're doing, and also the, the medium and short and medium term plan. It's being passionate for learning new things, not being set in their ways and too stagnant, but realizing that the, the educational landscape in which is the context of, of the workplace where I was at is, is changing all the time and is, is different and it's ebbing and flowing, it's moving all the time. And, and being passionate, I think, is really, really important. It's vital because if you do it without heart, if you do it without care and without passion, a lot of the time, the children, and young people can can smell it a mile off. Yeah, and that, and that goes back to the book that I mentioned. Start with why Simon Sinek. Start with why. 
that that having that why that reason that purpose will then fuel that passion mm. because i think if you don't have if you don't have a why then you're never going to have any passion and that's why you see some individuals who never seem to really have that get up and go that drive that determination to want to do something because they just don't either have a purpose behind it mm. and and so therefore they will never want to progress they'll never have that desire to move forward but i think if you've got a purpose behind it if you've got a reason if you understand um the starting point then that will definitely fuel the passion and cause you to you know give you a reason to get up each day give you a reason to get into work it'll give you a reason to want to go that extra mile to really put the effort to make something work yeah absolutely passion really is a fuel and it really does drive and i just as you were speaking i was just rem remembering Partway through my tenure, if you like, as, as um, the behaviour manager was to recruit and obviously would recruit periodically as we needed to. And we also grew the team because it was one of those new academies that started with one year group and it grew year on year. So the team grew with the school. And I remember in the fairly early stages of, of working at the school that I decided to do things differently in terms of recruitment. And I wanted to get the children or, involved in that process. And so I had them support part of the interview by just doing a small kind of observed mentoring session, which the candidates got notice of on the day that they arrived at the uh, the school for the interview. And it was it was quite telling. It was very very telling the the ways that um, the young people were so astute, I guess, in their own kind of way of communicating and, and realizing and observing how the potential mentor, the candidate, was performing. And I would sometimes, a lot of the time, I'd, I would ask the young person to maybe do something either slightly annoying or distracting and seeing if mm. they would pick up on it. Because it was a kind of a little bit of a... I guess it, was a, it wasn't really teaching as such, because that's not the role that they had. But there was a bit of kind of behaviour management that mm. needed to happen, because yeah. that's part of the role. That's yeah. a big part of the role, actually. And, and of course, a, a mentoring dynamic, so to see if they could think on their feet. And it was just really, as I say, really interesting, the the feedback that I got from the young people. Um, and, and they loved it. You know, they loved being able to do something very grown up. Mm -hmm. they, they were in a meeting room they're not usually allowed in. And they were out of lessons, which, which was probably a, a big plus for them. They, I gave them some hot chocolate and, and, and some other things. And, I yeah. had risk assess that. <laughs> hot chocolate yeah so it was you know they, they loved it and, and, and like anything word, word got around on the playground very very quickly <laughs> word on the street that you know Mr Wilson's looking for um, people to recruit uh, as, as his little uh, yeah and uh, you know I would I would let down a lot of people essentially quite quite um, quite joyfully but yeah <laughs> but no in all seriousness um, so yeah being passionate is important Pe young people especially can pick it up straight away and the feedback was, was amazing yeah, and in that whole passion, I mean, that it's never has passion been important in, in the teaching profession when you're standing in front of a class and teaching a lesson because children, children and young people can identify somebody who's passionate about the subject. And I think about Rihanna yeah, and yeah. when she talks about one of the teachers mm. at the school that she works at who's a history teacher and she really enjoys his lessons because she just the passion behind it is is palpable yeah. and the students enjoy his lesson because he's passionate about it and you know history is rubbish not, let's be no, honest no no <laughs> not <laughs> so, really sorry to all those historians out there history is not is a very niche subject to enjoy fully 
it's not like you know a lot i'm not in fact i'm not going to start comparing subjects but history is a very niche <laughs> subject to enjoy and you have to it's a bit like geography history and geography Definitely. you know you have to have that certain something to be able to in, enable students to a really enjoy with elbow the pads. lesson that's not going to help children to enjoy the lesson <laughs> but if you've got that passion and you yeah. can bring that subject alive you will have the children, those young people, those children in the palm of your hands and they will, they will remember those lessons. You know, the, the, the lessons that you enjoy teaching are the lessons that the children enjoy being in and the ones that they will enjoy and remember. And so when you bring that passion to everything you do, when you bring that passion to your teaching, when you bring that passion to your business, that will make an impact that will never be forgotten. No, absolutely true. Absolutely correct. It's, it's so important to have passion and as you were just kind of mentioning about uh, Rihanna. And usually when I ask her about how a day is, most things really, I get fine, fine, it was okay, it was fine. I usually use the word fine. So I'm very much used to that. But on those rare occasions, as Amanda's saying, that there, was, there is that history teacher who just makes that subject come alive. And uh, she's not there as a student. She's now obviously mm. the, the, the staff member supporting but she gets things, gets something from it, and she's enthused. And when you have that dynamic, it is amazing. And I can remember being on patrol, as we called it, or active classroom support, we used to call it ACS, where a staff member would, this is, happens quite often in secondary schools, someone, a staff member every period would have the duty of going around the school and just making sure, you know, order and discipline is maintained and restored or whatever. That kind of stuff, just make sure it's all tickety-boo around the school and if there's any problems then deal with students take them out blah 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 so I would do that duty quite a lot of times around the school and I would pop into lessons often and we would be tasked or encouraged to feedback real positives that we've seen in the classroom whether it be a, a great response from a young person a student whether it be a great bit of teaching whatever and I've over the years seen some amazing um, lessons and content from teachers and one of the things that I think crosses over and touches a lot of those times with those really good teachers is what they would do is they wouldn't be put off or distracted in any way by someone coming in or popping into the room. Mm. They'd actually make them part of the lesson. Yes. So for example, if I was to come in, uh, I may obviously knock on the door or it, a lot of it was glass so they would see me come in, walk through the door and then they would maybe put me on the spot and ask me a question mm. about whatever's going on or they would get me to... Uh, be part of a group discussion and they would put put it as part of the lesson very naturally and and kind of life be the life and breadth of it they'd be so passionate and so engaged in what they're doing that they're not put off and perturbed by things mm. okay so that's passion i think clearly we were passionate about that p what's the next one so the next one is very much linked to the organization the school that i was a part of and so it really linked in with the role that we did and that is precision and that, uh, again, the points that, un that um, undergird that and support that is that it demonstrates excellent attention to detail. And it's talking about operating in, in, operating in an intentional, deliberate way. And I've put there positively pedantic. <laughs> so there was a lot of pedantic things in the organization. I think the heart was in the right place. The intention was in the right place. However, when it came to us being the people in the organisation that to organise the detentions and get the students there and inform parents and all that kind of stuff. It was not always positively, but I wanted it to be seen as a positively pedantic um, activity that I wanted us to do with precision. So how, from a precision 
point of view, is there any leeway in, you know, what happens if someone's not precise? What happens if someone doesn't quite hit that mark? If we are talking about, and this really links to the behaviour side of being a behaviour mentor. So, as I say, it will be to do with uh, checking an online system for detentions, then possibly needing to inform the student and then inform the parent, put it on a database or on, on a list and then um, support the child going to detention. So there's quite a few steps happening and that and it could sometimes be up to 100, just over 100 students per day. Um, so there's a lot of back and forth. Detentions may be cancelled or moved to another date. So there's lots of logistics and coordination of that. It needs to be precise because the worst one of the worst things or not not such a good thing that could happen is you may inform the wrong student or you may contact the wrong parent or you may fail to contact the parent and, and inform them of a detention just just to use some some examples like that and that can cause frustration irritation upset to the the student to the parent and, and sometimes to the teacher as well so it's important to be accurate and inaccuracies, inaccuracies happened and and do happen because you know with the middle people there's misunderstanding sometimes. There could be misunderstanding as to the behaviour policy by that actual person who logged the information on the system. They may have made a separate arrangement, so it may not be the same day detention. It may be another day's detention or another type of arrangement, and there just may be a whole lot of confusion. So it's really important for there to be precision, and that takes time to obviously learn mm. the system, to learn the nuances, yeah. and, and that takes patience a lot of the time, and sometimes time and patience we didn't have. Mm. So it was important just to restate that P a lot of the time around precision and finding ways how we could be more accurate, how finding ways how we could be smarter with what we're doing. Because we were, we were getting emails all the time. Mm. You know, it's probably the reason, one of the reasons why I really don't like emails very much. Maybe I never did. But, you know, I could literally leave my desk, go away for a one hour period to do a duty or whatever, come back, log back on again and have, you know, 20, 30 emails you know, on my inbox or on the sort of shared inbox. And it was, it just wasn't sustainable as, as a system. But anyway, so yeah, precision. And I guess four. thinking about precision and how you maintain that it's when clear communication is really important and having it either written down or like you mentioned, regularly reviewing it will enable that precision to continue to happen because it's very easy for things to slip, very easy for things to... I can't drop down by the wayside, but if it's clearly written down in terms of what the steps are, what the expectation is, and then you are regularly going over it and reminding people, that will help to maintain that level of provision that you precision that you've put in place. Yeah, absolutely, and it's a case of just having clear systems as well. Yeah, or simple and clear systems. Yeah, simple, definitely. And I think they start off clear a lot of the time. They sometimes can be complicated and sometimes people add layers to it, either willingly or unwillingly, unknowingly. But yeah, as long as it's simple to understand, then a lot of the time you're onto a winner. Excellent. Okay, so that's four Ps. What's the final one? So the fifth P, uh, and, and maybe this is this is back from probably 2011 maybe, when I came up with this, maybe 2010. So it's kind of 10, 10, 10 11 years in the planning or in the making really. So I could probably add more piece to this. But the fifth P, as it stands today, is professionalism. Excellent timekeeping, for example. Very high standards. And the third point, which I really like, is about flourishing within boundaries. Life has boundaries. Schools have boundaries. Academies certainly have boundaries. 
and it's a port it's important to be very professional now that word p professional was the strongest and the most pom- prominent and and the biggest capital letter p you could probably find in any academy i'd argue across the country that word in the first year or two of the school being open was mentioned umpteen times in the few days we got just before the school opened to orientate ourselves and to obviously set up a brand new school it was mentioned amongst the staffing team amongst the leadership team and amongst the student body and sometimes the school I would say lost its way a lot of the time around what they saw as professionalism I think sometimes it was a coded word that meant other things but I tried to take the original hopefully positive spirit and intention from it and to look at very specific things around excellent timekeeping because timekeeping for some staff was an issue high standards because level of standards was an issue and about flourishing within boundaries because being out of boundaries and and being you know a little bit unflexible or inflexible with boundaries was also a concern excellent so there we have it five p's pragmatic proactive passionate precision and professionalism and I think all, like you said, all, all equally is important, but probably many more that we could add to it just because there are so many things that are crucial when it comes to the workplace and bringing a team together, enabling them to have that same vision and focus. So you may have your own P's that you think would fit in with this. We'd love to hear what your five P's would be. Do you agree with what Cleon has put down? Would you add any? Would you take any away? Please get in touch with us via our socials at the CPD Show on Twitter and Instagram, or you can email us podcast at the CPD Show. We'd love to hear from you. Cleon, we are in the final throes of today's show, and as usual, we have our final thoughts. So, with my final thoughts I thought about my final thoughts a bit more over the last few days and what I am going to be doing with these final thoughts is I'm going to be sharing a quote or two from my Instagram feed which is at leaders lessons and this one I posted today this morning and it is talking about being uncomfortable really but it mentions the word comfort in it and the quote is I cannot remember where I got this quote from in terms of the original source, but the quote nevertheless is, great things never come from comfort zones. So I remember when I went on a school trip, um, it was more like a residential really, it was for a week in Wales and Abu Dhabi, as we used to do when Outward Bound was open. I think, is Outward Bound closed? Maybe it's the other one that's closed, but anyway, in Abu Dhabi. And we did lots of rock climbing and those kind of typical things that you do in that part of the world. And one of the things that I hadn't really come across, and I really should have done by, by that time, was about comfort zone. If you, if you imagine concentric circles, so in the centre of it is comfort zone. Slightly wider than that is your stretch zone, and wider than that is your panic zone. So you may or may not have come across that. So middle is comfortable, too comfortable not getting a lot done, go further out into your stretch zone, that's the place of productivity, that's the place where you're moving from things are good to slightly greater. You don't want to completely panic yourself because then it's fight, flight or freeze situation. So being in a stretch zone, a more uncomfortable place, is a place of greatness. Excellent. I don't think I'd heard of that comfort zone. So comfort zone... Comfort zone 
stretch zone, panic zone. Panic zone. Brilliant. So, so the context was talking about. I think I believe it was not just rock climbing, but that was particularly okay. one of the most mm. um, nerve-wracking things that some a, a child at eleven, twelve would never have done before. Would never have left London before a lot of the time. So, really, it was talking about a lot of the th- what the instructor was talking about with our group was a lot of the things that we will be doing this week will take you out of your comfort zone. Mm. Now, we want you to be in a position where you are out of that zone because then you can learn new things, you can find, not find yourself, but develop yourself a bit more and, and help others and teamwork and that kind of stuff. So we want to bring it around this place, which is your stretch zone, where you start learning and appreciating other things. But if things get too uncomfortable and you get into your panic zone, then let us know that or let us know how you're feeling and then we'll try and bring you back into that middle space. So that's yeah. what they explained. And, and it was really powerful, actually. Mm. And I remember taking a picture of that because uh, it was on the wall in our little team talk area. And, and yeah, something that I use from time to time. And it's yours for free, listeners. Great. Thank you. That's a great way to end the show. Thank you very much for listening. This is Amanda Wilson signing off. See you in the next show. And it's Cleon Wilson. I am off. Goodbye. Take care.